Let's get right into our series this morning. We're in a, we're in a series entitled Foolproof, okay? We're talking about how not to be a fool. My first message on this series a couple weeks ago, everybody plays a fool sometimes, right? Ain't no exception to the rule. I'm going to sing that. I'm going to sing it one day. I'm going to, I'm going to get to where I can sing that song like they did back in the 70s. Uh, but uh, anyway, we're talking about how to foolproof our lives and live in the wisdom of God. And this morning, we're going to talk about thinking right. How many know thinking's important? I know we live in a society today that doesn't look like anybody's thinking, uh, but we're going to talk about how to think properly in the context of foolproofing our lives so that we can enjoy the abundant life Jesus came to give. Proverbs 15, 15, it just reads like, I love this. I could have chosen many scripture, but I like this one. It says, all the days of the afflicted are evil, but he who is of a merry heart has a continual feast. Again, all the days of the afflicted are evil, but he who is of a merry heart has a continual feast. May the Lord add his blessing to his word this morning. Now, let me just start out by asking you a question. How many of you ever thought about how much your thoughts actually determine how you live your life? In, in, in other words, I want you to think about this. How many of you ever heard somebody say, well, they got up on the wrong side of the bed? What does that mean? It means they're grumpy. It means they're grumpy. They get up on the wrong side of the bed. It means that that attitude when they got out of bed is going to corrupt them for the rest of the day. You want somebody to get up on the right side of things and have the bright side of life. So, so thinking has a lot to do with how you and I enjoy our day-to-day -day, uh, encounters that we have. I, I really believe that. So, so think about this. Your attitude, your thought processes shape your attitudes, and your attitudes, your attitudes shape your life. Ne so think of this. Negative thoughts make us what? Depressed and defeated. I like what Zig Ziglar, the late Zig Ziglar said. He said that this type of negative attitude and negative thoughts, he called it stinking thinking. Stinking thinking. I did a sermon several years ago entitled, No More Stinking Thinking. Because how we think affects every aspect of our lives. And the Bible weighs in on it. Uh, again, no doubt you've heard somebody say this, attitude affects our altitude. Our attitude affects our altitude. How we think on a day-by-day -day basis, really shapes how we live on a day-by-day -day basis. Uh, stinking thinking is kind of like, some of you remember years ago, um, I used to talk about the Eeyore syndrome. Anybody know what I'm, anybody remember that? I used to talk about the Eeyore syndrome. And Eeyore, now you got to go back to Winnie the Pooh, okay? And, and so Eeyore was the donkey that was an eternal, eternal pessimist, right? I mean, every time you see Eeyore, he's always got his head down, well... Ain't nobody like me today. You know, and he just kind of meanders through life, and, and, and there's no fire in his belly, and there's no joy in what he says. It's just, it's just moaning and groaning about everything. It just seemed like that. In fact, I used to talk about and joke about writing a book entitled The Eeyore Syndrome. Now, there might be somebody that already wrote the book. I haven't read it, but I always thought that would be a good book because how many of us think like that? You know, we, our, our theme song is either gloom, despair, and agony, or it's nobody likes me, everybody hates me, I might as well eat some worms <laughs> right before lunch, right? Isn't that good? Uh, so stinking thinking, that's what it is. It's that Eeyore syndrome that makes us feel helpless and eternally pessimistic. Proverbs 23, I told you I'll, I'll give you a lot of scripture. Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. 
Think about that. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So what does that mean? It means our thoughts and our attitudes shape us into the people that we are. If my thoughts and my attitudes are negative, guess what? I'm going to be negative. You ever met somebody that was eternally negative? I mean, they, aren't they, I mean, we have names for them. I don't want to say it because your name might be Debbie Down. I mean, your main name might be Debbie, right? I mean, we, we meet people that are just pessimistic. It's, it's always half empty and it's always not enough. And it's always, I can't do this. Nobody likes to be around that, by the way. See, that's what negative thinking does. Negative always drags you down. It makes, it makes us feel depressed, and it gives us anxiety, and it just nothing productive comes out of negative thinking. So we, what happens, how many of you ever heard the old saying, can't, never, could do anything? You know, there's a lot of reality to that, right? There's a lot of reality to it. There's a lot of people today that are shackled by what they can't do. And so rather than try, they sit there, and just say, I can't, I can't, I can't do this ministry. I can't be involved here. I can't do this. And they're, and they're in bondage to what they can't do, and they never attempt what they can do. It's amazing to me, Paul said it, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. He didn't have this can't attitude. He had a can-do attitude. He, get, he kicked it in the, in the can'ts, right? <laughs> That's a little humor there. So negative thinking, again, it, we tend to be negative people, right? Gossip always draws a larger crowd than praise does. Don't believe me? Go to the grocery store. You go to the grocery store, you get ready to check out, you get in line behind somebody that's got 5,000 items in their, in their cart, right? And so that means you're going to have to wait, you know, the two registers that are open out of 30. <laughs> I'm preaching the gospel to you today. <laughs> so, so... <laughs> So, so you're standing there behind them in that, in that fast line. You know, it's like driving behind an, all my 18-wheeler drivers. I'm sorry, but you get behind a swift truck. There's nothing swift about a swift 18-wheeler. So, so you get in that line, and you have, you're captive, right? So, so if you look off to your right or to your left, they will have a magazine rack that is filled with tabloids and magazines. And you know what we do? We read the headlines. Come on now, I'm being, you know I'm telling the truth. I mean, what else are you going to do? You're going to stand there waiting for that cashier. So you read the headlines. And they do that because it's a psychological thing. You're more, we gravitate to the negative. So there's going to be a negative story that for a lot of people, they can't resist the urge to buy that to see what happens. Paul Harvey says, we want to know the rest of the story. And so we, buy, we tend to gravitate towards the negative. We latch on to it. We develop stinking thinking when we, when, again, when we buy, buy into the negativity. And so we start thinking, having stinking thinking attitudes ourselves. We start saying, well, things can't ever get better, Eeyore. My marriage will never get better. I'll never excel at anything. You know, this type of negative thinking, listen, it affects our day-to-day walk. It affects our life. It affects those around us. You know, there's just something about negative thinking and that pessimistic attitude that drives people crazy. You know, the Bible teaches us the importance of thinking right. Paul even said in Romans chapter 12, he said, Do not be conformed to this world, but be what? Transformed by the renewing of our mind. Don't let the world squeeze you into its negative mold. Again, we, 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 we turn on the news. If you do, I, I, I caution you against it. 
But we turn on the nightly news and they immediately jump on there and say, good evening, and then for the next hour they tell you why it's not. That's, that's the truth. It's negative. And we gravitate. We can't get enough of it. We want to hear the gossip. We want to hear the latest scoop. He said, don't be conformed. Don't allow the world to press you into its mold. But be transformed. How? By renewing your mind, thinking on different things. Paul said, whatever is of a good report, think on these things. Again, Proverbs 12, 14. I'm going to read it out of the message paraphrase. He says this, people can get many good things by the words they say. In other words, our words affect our daily livings. When we think properly, our outlook sets us up for success and an enjoyable life. And so this morning, our text teaches us that our thoughts play an important role for our future and the quality of our lives. So the focus is, how do we, so the focus of Solomon is how we think and, and how we, and the attitudes we develop shape us for the lives that we enjoy. I said it last week when I was preaching about making wise decisions that we are a product of the, of the choices that we have made in our lives. Well, I'll take that a, st a step further and say not only are we a product of the choices that we have made in our lifetime, we also are a product of the thought processes that we have in the day-to-day -day walk that we have. Again, negative, negative. And this is not a PMA thing. This is not positive mental attitude. That's not, I'm talking thinking properly. How to foolproof our life so that we're not making a fool of ourselves by irrational thinking. Uh, again, the, the text, and I'm going to read it out of a different translation, verse 15 again, says, For the despondent, every day brings trouble. For the, for the negative, every day is negative. You get up on the wrong side of the bed, your whole day's ruined, and if you're not careful, you ruin the day for everybody. Anybody ever met a grump? Don't be elbowing that one next to you. That's not right. <laughs> it, 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 it can set us up for a good day or a bad day. He said, for the despondent, every day brings trouble. But then look at what he says. For the happy heart, life is a continual feast. I like that. Amen. Here's the way the Message Bible renders that verse. A miserable heart makes a miserable life. A cheerful heart fills the day with song. See the difference there? If I have a miserable heart, I'm going to live a miserable life. Everything, somebody's always out to get me. Used to be a song in the 80s. It said, somebody is watching me. <laughs> I always fear that. Somebody's watching me. <laughs> that's that's it a miserable heart makes a miserable life he said don't think like that a cheerful heart fills the day with song isn't it, isn't it nicer to go around with joy that's that flows out in a song listen i don't sing very well but there are times that i'm just so overwhelmed with the presence of god i can't help but sing i don't sing very well that's why i'm making a noise to the lord but there's something that just spills over out of my heart because I tapped into it. Again, that's our, that's our choice. If we're going to get rid of stinking thinking, out of our text this morning, there are three things that I want to give you, three truths to glean from this verse. Number one is recognize that our outlook determines our outcome. So I'll explain that for a minute. So again, Solomon says, for the despondent, every day brings trouble. For the happy heart, life is a continual feast. 
In other words, if I start the day with a troubled heart or a troubled mind, then trouble is likely to follow me. You wake up in the morning and you're grumpy, you're liable to be grumpy all day. It follows you all day. If you're in a bad mood, a bad mood likely will follow you all the day. When we start the day with hope and optimism, he says then good things and blessings are likely to follow. And those things determine our outlook. If you wake up in the morning, Lord Terry's and and our appointment's not for tonight, we wake up in the morning, the tomorrow will be filled with possibilities. But if I wake up on the wrong side of the bed and I have a miserable, maybe I have a miserable night, a miserable heart, I wake up and I'm miserable and I go to work and I make the office miserable. Or I can wake up and even if things are not the way I want them to be, I can still adopt a positive attitude and trust, like that song says, trust in God. I, I, I'm a nature guy. I love nature. When I, uh, I, I mentioned this in early service. When I was in college, I took geology, and I just love, I love formations, and I love the strata and all of that stuff that goes into how God made this wonderful place called Earth. And, and, I, and I love watching nature shows. I love watching how creative God can be with the colors of the birds and, and, and the instincts that they have. And, and one of my favorite birds is a hummingbird. I love watching hummingbirds. Sheila and I were in Colorado several years ago when we were up in the mountains and, and it happened to be the springtime and there were blossoms all over the place and you could see, you got to be fast because those things kind of move really good and they're really small. But the way they flap their wings, I mean, they're doing, I mean, it's like 90 to nothing. I mean, they're just, and they're, they're darting from one blossom to another to another. And, and, and the thing is, uh, there's another bird that we're all familiar with called the vulture, Right? And, and, and vultures and hummingbirds tend to gravitate towards the same climate, okay? Normally arid, desert-type terrain. Uh, here's the thing. A vulture, we understand a vulture. A vulture feeds on death. If you find a vulture, it's, it's like, more than likely it's feeding on that which has already died, okay? It's, it, it's, it's, that's its diet because that's what it looks for. It looks for death. It looks for decay. It looks for things that were here and then they're gone. They, they died. Uh, but a hummingbird doesn't do that. A hummingbird doesn't feed on death. It feeds on what is living and what is alive. Um, instead of, of, of looking for that which was, it looks for that which is. So a hummingbird will fly looking for blossoms that are indicative of, of life and, and fulfillment and things like that. And, and the vultures live, again, on what was. They live in the past. They fill themselves with what is dead and gone. But a hummingbird lives on what is. They seek life. They fill themselves with freshness of life, and each bird finds what it's looking for, and the reality is we do the same thing. We tend to find what we're looking for. If I want to find what's wrong with everything, guess what? I'll find what's wrong with everything. Isn't that amazing how we are? We, we can point out what's wrong. My challenge to you is quit looking at what's wrong and look at what's right. Don't look at what you lack. Look at what you have. Big difference there. You know, if we're not careful, what happens is we allow our outcome to determine our outlook. What does that mean? It means I allow my present circumstances to dictate how I look at things. So, so if I'm going, and, and that's really bad because that's the roller coaster, you know? If, if my outcomes, my circumstances are good, then I have a positive outlook on things. Oh, yeah, you know, I'm blessed. I'm, you know, highly favored. You know, we say that, right? I'm blessed and highly favored. 
but let my circumstances change and my outlook changes. We go through rough patches and we, you know, we develop, well, you know, God, you know, you know, you know how we do. That's the difference. See, we're to allow our outlook to interpret our outcomes. So what does it mean? It means when I'm walking through the deep, dark valleys of life, I'll not fear any evil. Why? Because God is with me. His rod and His staff, they comfort me. It's recognizing that in those deep, dark valleys of life, He's an ever-present help in my time of trouble. My circumstances don't change, but how I look at things change. See, we all have a lens through which we filter everyday experiences. And if my, if my outlook is not where it needs to be, if it's not established on the teachings of God's Word, then I'm going to view things differently. I'm going to have emotional swings all over the place. And uh, again, uh, I, I said this in early service. I mean, I, I'm guilty sometimes of, of, of struggling with why bad things happen to good people. Anybody else besides me do that? At some point, you've got to say, wait a minute. God, I trust you. I trust in God. You have to settle there. Because you know what? Circumstances change. But how we look at things, don't. I, I was interested in a study that was done by Stanford University some years ago. And in this study, uh, you know, so, so most of us think that happy people, people who are happy in life, tend to have more happy experiences than those who are unhappy. So, so the way it goes is happy people have happy experiences, unhappy people have unhappy experiences. The interesting thing was this study that was done by Stanford University found out that happy people and unhappy people have similar life experiences. Again, we, we kind of we rationalize that, well, they, all they have, we do this, well, they, all they have is positive things going on in their life. You ever thought like that? Well, God, you're blessing Sunday School Sally. You're blessing Deacon Dan. You're blessing Elder Eddie. You're blessing Missionary Martha. But you're not blessing me. But this study said that happy and unhappy people had similar life experiences. The difference was, here's what they found out. They're, again, their lives are pretty much the same. The difference is that, that for the, the average unhappy person spent as, twice as much time thinking about what was wrong versus happy people who thought twice as much about what was going well in their lives. See, their thought processes determined whether they were happy, fulfilled, content, or they were unhappy. The way we think shapes the way we live. Paul said we're to bring every, he said, bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. That's hard to do sometimes, right? He said, bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. See, when you learn how to do that, this type of thinking forges an attitude and resolve that says, you know what, I may not know what tomorrow brings, and I may not understand why things are happening the way they're happening today, but I know Jesus is with me. It's what Paul said. Paul said, hey, when you go to the doctor and the doctor says it's terminal, or the doctor says, I'm sorry, there's nothing, it's inoperable, there's nothing we can do, Paul said... Just go ahead and plant your feet and just look up and say, I know in whom I have believed in and I am persuaded. I am persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. Are you persuaded this morning? Are you, are you locked in your circumstances and, 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 and that's determining how you live your life? Are you persuaded this morning that God is able to take you, regardless of what your circumstances are, where you are now to get you where he wants you to be? Are you persuaded of that? 
See, that's what that song was all about. I trust in God. That's hard. Solomon isn't saying that positive people have nothing but positive experiences and negative people have nothing but negative. He's simply saying, you know what? Change your outlook. Filter things through God's word and learn to see it that way. Without sounding cliche-ish, as bad as it is in this life, again, no matter where you are, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, this is as bad as it will ever be. I'm not minimizing your pain. I'm not minimizing the difficulty you're having. But I'm just telling you that as bad as things are right now, it's as bad as it will ever be. Because you and I have what they call the hope of heaven, the blessed hope. Where I have not seen, ear have not heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. I'm telling you, that's the perspective that we have. Instead of allowing my present circumstances to, to tell me how pitiful and poor and wretched that I am and how miserable my life is, to learn how to change that and say, yeah, but I'm still a child of God and nothing can separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, my Lord. Amen. That's a good place to do that. Come on, give the Lord. You got to do better than that. That's a good place to do that. That's the hope of heaven. That helps us. If we want, if we, if, if we want our lives to become a continual feast, get rid of stinking thinking. Start thinking right. The second thing is, for life to get better, I have to get better. For life to get better, I have to get better. About 50 years ago, there was a financial money manager who said this. He said, if you can't live, now you got to understand, it's 50 years ago. He said, if you can't live on $500 a month, you won't be able to live on $5,000 a month. Now, now today, you know, we think $500 a month, well, that's nothing. I mean, you get a family of five, you go to a fancy restaurant or a nice restaurant, that's $500 for a hot dog. Well, just about. I mean, I think Dairy Queen might be a little cheaper, but, <laughs> but, but today $500 isn't a lot uh, in comparison. But you go back 50 years ago, you go back in the, in the 60s, and 50, $500 was a lot of money. I got, I got some magazines in my office that some old popular science and popular mechanic magazines from like the 60, early 60s, and they advertise cars for $1,500. They advertise houses that you can buy for under $10,000. You know, we look back and we think, wow, I mean, there was Corvette. I wish I would have known when I was, a, I was born in 65. I wish I'd known and I would have bought a Corvette when I was born. <laughs> $500 is not... Again, it's not a lot of money. So, so what is he saying? He's saying, you know what? If you can't live on $500 a month, you will not be able. It's, a, it's an attitude. It's an attitude. Again, if, if, if I think all of us would agree that income and financial pressure doesn't change, whether I have a lot of money or a little money. It doesn't change. You know, just because we change uh, tax brackets doesn't lessen the pressure that we have financially. We have the same kind of financial problems with a lot of money that we had when we had a little money. You know, it's, uh, uh, the answer is not we don't need, a, need more money. The answer is we need to do a better job of managing our resources, right? I mean, in 30 years of pastoring here, benevolence, in, in, in the community, every church throughout the month, people come by, you know, and, and the Bible talks about lending to the poor and taking care of people, and we do our best. Uh, but, you know, people come by and they'll, They'll say, hey, can you help me with my electric bill or this or whatever, you know, and, and, and church does what we can. But I'm, I'm telling you, my 30 years of pastoring here, what I found out is that it's not always the lack of resources, it's the lack of managing the resources. 
Because in today's culture, I have a right to happiness, the pursuit of happiness. So I'll run and take my family of six to Six Flags and spend all my money. And then when the water bill comes due, I won't have money. So then I'll go and, and I'm not being jaded, okay? That's not what I'm doing. I'm just simply saying the answer is it's not more money. It's learn, learning how to manage the resources that you have. And, and, and again, that's what I'm talking about. For life to get better, I've got to get better. And it's not just a financial issue. What about relationships? What about health? What about taking care of our bodies? What about work? Every aspect of life. For things to get better, we've got to get better. And until we decide to get better and practice the necessary disciplines, you know what we're going to do? We're going to get on the merry-go-round of life and we're going to go round and round and round. And we're not, we're making movement. We've got motion. We have no progress. I've had people in in, in the past, come to me and say, Pastor, you know what? I don't understand while well, I'm still dealing with the same issues that I had five years ago. You know, and, and whenever I hear somebody say something like that, the light bulb goes off and I said, ah, you got some stinking thinking going on. You've not mastered. You've not mastered those issues. You know, you want your circumstances to get better, but for life to get better, you've got to get better. You've got to change. You know, it's impossible to have, I mean, think about this. It's impossible to have a positive outlook on your health if you're getting up every morning eating pizza and ice cream for breakfast. Now, if that's your breakfast of choice, I'm not picking on you, but I'm just saying, if you want your health to get better, you've got to take some initiative to lay aside the ho-hos and the ding-dongs and pick up rice cakes. Ugh. It's impossible to maintain a positive outlook on our finances if we're still spending money like we won the lottery. It's impossible to maintain a positive look, uh, outlook on God's direction for our lives if we're still making decisions based on what we think is right rather than what God says is right. See, for us, for life to get better, we've got to get better. You see, we're all good. We're very good at telling lies to ourselves, right? And particularly, the biggest lie we ever tell ourselves is this. When my circumstances change, I'll become a better person. We do that all the time. When my ship comes in, then I'll make it. No, listen to me. I've told you 30 years. It ain't coming. It sank. Your ship's not coming. Quit waiting on it. Right? I mean, have you ever told yourself that? Some people say, well, when I get married, I won't have to deal with sexual temptation anymore. Contraire, you ask most married people and they will tell you it's a temptation that you always have if you're breathing. But we have this idea, well, if I get married, or, or we say something like this, well, when I get this new job, then I won't be stressed out all the time. Yeah. Or when I get rid of these problems, then I won't need to drink anymore. These are lies that we tell ourselves all the time. Another one is, when I get a little more money, then I'll start being generous. Let me ask you, what would you do if you suddenly had a million dollars tax-free? You ever thought about that? It's kind of interesting because there was, a, there was a, t uh, a question that was done, a survey, and that was the question. What would you do if you had a million dollars tax-free? What would you do? And most people gave very noble answers. They said things like, well, first of all, I'd give to the church. God bless you. I'd give to the church, I would send poor kids to camp, I would help my parents, my family, I would invest some, I'd save some, and on and on it went. Well, that's noble, right? That's good. But here's the thing, we don't have a million dollars. We probably have a hundred dollars, maybe even a thousand dollars, 
What are we doing with that? See, I mean, listen, a million bucks isn't going to make you a generous person. If you're not generous with the $10 in your pocket, you're not going to be generous with a million dollars. That's just the fact of life. I'm not, again, I'm not, that's just a fact of life. It, we've got to change before life changes. A better job isn't going to make you a better employee. A better wife isn't going to make you a better husband. And a better husband isn't going to make you a, a, a better wife. A better church isn't going to make you a better Christian. Amen? How many times in my 30 years have I seen people cycle through thinking that the change of the church will change their lives? And it does not work. Plant yourself in the house of God. Grow through the tough times, the difficult times. Listen, I understand there, there are seasons of life and God moves people. I understand that. But we've got people that rotate churches like they rotate restaurants. And that's not healthy. Absolutely is not healthy. Just because you change churches doesn't mean that you're going to be a better Christian. You've got to start where you are, and you've got to change before life changes. If your circumstances aren't what they, you want them to be, ask yourself this question. What do I need to change about myself in order to make life better? See, we call that discipline. If I want to lose a few pounds... What do I need to do? Well, I, I need to practice some disciplines. I need to, again, lay down the ho-hos and the ding-dongs and pick up uh, rice cakes and, 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 and drink water and stuff like that, go exercise. I mean, there, there are disciplines that we have to take. If, if, if you're living from paycheck to paycheck and you're not paying your bills on time, ask yourself, what do I need to change about my financial priorities to create some abundance in my life? There are always things we can do. Uh, if your relationship with God is one day it's up here and the next day it's down here, then ask yourself, what do I need to change about myself to experience the fullness of life that Jesus promised? You, by the way, you do know he promised that. He promised abundant life. What do I need to do to change? See, insanity says keep doing the same thing the same way over and over again and expect different results. That's insanity. And we have a lot of insane people today. He said, change yourself and then watch life change. That's it. Don't just ask, seek the answer. See, do what you have to do to change because in order for life to get better, I've got to get better. I've often said, if at the end of the year, so at the end of the year, most businesses do, they have this practice where they, they shut down. I don't know how they do it anymore, but used to, businesses would shut down during the holiday season, particularly end of the year, first of the year, whatever their fiscal year might be. They shut down for a period of time to do what? They take an inventory. They want to find out where they are as they launch into a new season, a new year, a new fiscal year, whatever. It's helpful for you and I to do the same thing, to at some point take a pause and say, where am I in my spiritual growth? And if I'm not where I need to be, listen, it's a sad day when people start out in January and say, this is going to be my year. By the end of this year, I'm going to be closer to the Lord. By the end of this year, my family's going to be serving God. We're going to be doing kingdom work by the end of the year. And then the end of the year come, and you're in the same place you were in January 1. And you say, well, God just, no, you didn't do something. For, the, for life to change, we have to change. And thirdly, lastly, start looking for God's will instead of God's wants. I, this, this resonated with me. I told the early service this morning. You know, I've been very, the last two years have been very difficult. I, I mean, 12 years ago with Sheila having her stroke, but last, the last two years have been really rough. 
with some of my health issues last year, um, and, and, and then her continually, uh, the, the denigration of her health. It, it, it's just stressful. And there have been times, and I've been very transparent about it. There have been times where I've said, I've said to God that I felt like the, the heaven's court jester. You know, heaven must need a good, uh, and again, some of you, maybe this is offensive, and I don't mean it to be, but this is, I'm raw. I'm raw with God. I let him know exactly how I feel. There have been times where I've gone to God and said, God, I guess y'all needed another laugh. Here I am. Go ahead and slap me around a little bit more. Is that offensive? I don't mean it to be. I'm just saying I'm being very raw and transparent. There have been times where I've struggled and said, God, I don't understand. I pray. I fast. I serve. I do everything I know to do. And I don't see any change. And when I was writing the message, preparing, this resonated in me. Stop looking for God's, start looking for God's will and stop looking for his want. See, many of us, and, and, and I'm, I, I believe this, many of us are convinced of what God won't do instead of looking at what God will do and what he's already done. See, I want you to understand that, that, you know, we somehow think that God doesn't have our... God has the very best design for you. God wants good things. He said, if you, being evil, know how to do good things for your children, how much more does your heavenly Father delight in doing good things for His children? He enjoys doing good things to us and for us. And yet, we get caught up in life... We get caught up again in our circumstances, so the outcome now is affecting my outlook. I'm in the middle of my outcome. I'm in the middle of my, 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 my circumstances. I'm in the middle, and it's shaping how I view things. And now, all of a sudden, instead of seeing God as the benevolent God and a God who wants and delights in doing good things, I see God as punishing me for somehow I didn't do what he asked me to do. Right? Am I the only one that feels like that? What I'm saying is we've, we've got to start looking at what God said he would do for us. Tapping into that. There are many people who want to be used by God and, and, and yet they do nothing because they can't get past their stinking thinking. They say things like, well, why would God use me? I'm a mess up. I'm a nobody. I mean, what, what makes me think I could lead that ministry? I, I'm no good. I mean, I, I fall. I fall off the wagon. I make mistakes. Why would, God, why would God use me? I know I'm not the only one that struggles with that. That's what, that's what stinking thinking does. Why would God use me? Why would God prosper me? Why would God bless me? Why would God give me an opportunity? Listen, of all the people, I, I marvel on a regular basis, of all the people that God chose to go into full-time, full-time vocational ministry, why did he choose me? Why did he choose why did he choose me? I, I, don't, I, don't have, I don't have anything to offer. But he did. And it's the same for us. Wherever you are right now, maybe you struggle with that. Maybe you're so focused on what God won't do, you can't see what God will do and what he's declared. God has over and over and over again said, I want to bless you. I want you to have a good life. I want you to live with joy and peace and fulfillment. In fact, that's what he said in John 10.10. 10. He said, you know, he said, the thief came, he comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He said, but I'm come to give you life and give it to you in all of its fullness. Do you believe that this morning? Start looking at what he will do. That's what God wants for us, for those who belong to him. 
So instead of the negative thinking, start thinking about what God will do, what God has already promised. I made this statement last week. If you don't have one, go online and order you a Bible promise book. They're normally uh, broken down topical. So you can go in there sometimes when you're struggling and you feel like you're alone and that God, like heavens are brass and you can't get through to God, you just pull out one of those Bible promise books and it's broken down and, 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 it's, you know, and it's, it's, it's categorized and you can go find a topic. You're, you're lonely. Go in there and in there there's promises of God and just start praying those back to God. God, I feel overwhelmed and, and, I, and I feel alone, but go back and read where he said, I will never leave you nor will I forsake you. And start feeding yourself on the freshness of the Word of God that does not change. He said, heaven and earth will pass, but my Word won't do it. Listen, I truly believe that God wants to bless us. But here's the thing. We live in such a selfish world that people today want to be blessed so they can hoard the blessing. I believe that God wants to bless people to be a blessing to others. One of the reasons we do our food distribution is that it is a, to me, it is being Jesus in the flesh to people who, who, who may not otherwise know anything about Jesus. And there may not be anything super spiritual about giving away a can of beans or a loaf of bread, but you know what? To that person who's hungry, to that person who doesn't know where that next meal is coming from, to have somebody stand up and in the name of Jesus give them a loaf of bread or a, a box of chicken or whatever it may be, to them that's an answer to prayer. To them that's, in fact, Jesus even said in Matthew 25, said when you, when you give water in my name, You've done it to me. So it's a different way of looking and a different way of thinking. God wants to bless. Solomon said, for the despondent, every day brings trouble, but for the happy heart, life is a continual feast. Guys, come on back as I wrap this up this morning. I don't know about you, but I want to have a continual feast. I, I don't want to get up with a miserable heart. I don't want to have a miserable day. I want to get up with the, the freshness of a, 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 of a relationship with God that is not stale from years of neglect. I want to get up with a freshness to my walk. That's, that's why I pray. Lord, give us a spring in our step and a song in our heart as we face the journey today. That's a continual feast that we have by thinking right. Let me ask you, how's your thinking this morning? Are you plagued like many people with stinking thinking? Listen, I'll be the first to admit, I raised my hand this morning. I said, look, if you, if you have issues with stinking thinking, come on, I'll raise your hand with me because I want us to pray because it's important that we learn how to think right. God's not out to get you. Amen. I said this early and I'll say it again. Give yourself permission to be happy again. I had a lady message me this morning that was watching online. And said, so for two years, my heart is broke. She had loss in her family. And she said, when you said that this morning, to have permission to be happy again, she said, something stirred in me. I'm telling you, you've got to change the way you think. Don't be in bondage to stinking thinking anymore. Go ahead and trust what God will do. That doesn't necessarily mean that my problems will go away overnight. They don't. They don't. I'll go home today and I'll still I'll have to serve my wife. I'll have to wait on her. I'll have to get her lunch. I'll have to get her dressed, undressed. I'll have to get her showered. And I'll have to do all of that. That's just, that's just life. And I can sit and lament how unfair it is that, you know, she was, I was 46 years old when my wife had a stroke. I've been taking care of my wife since I was 46 years old. 
I could lament. Again, others have it worse than me. I'm not, please don't read between the lines. There's nothing. I'm just saying, I could sit there and lament how unfair life is. I could wallow in misery and say, God, it's so unfair, and I can't believe that you would do this to me. Oh, by the way, I've done that before, too. That's why I'm so glad that he's a, he's a long-suffering God. Because with me, he's not just a long-suffering God. He's a long-suffering God. <laughs> you know? Because sometimes it hurts. You just, you know? It doesn't change my circumstances. But you know what? My heart's full. My heart's full. You know, I know we've got quite a few out today and, you know, but my heart's full. Used to be this would be a very depressing day because I like, I preach better when I have a full house. You want me to preach better? Bring more people. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Doesn't change anything, but I've determined that my outcomes won't define my outlook. My circumstances will not shape how I view life. Will there be tough times ahead? Probably. But I know in whom I have believed in. And I'm persuaded. I'm absolutely persuaded. I don't have to run to this vice to lessen the pain or to dull the edge. I don't have to do that. Because I trust the Lord. I trust in God. So what I'm saying this morning is for the despondent, every day brings trouble. If you are locked into negativity, it will be a negative experience for you. But if you have a happy heart, even the roughest of circumstances, you can have the joy that is unspeakable and full of glory. That's what it means to have a relationship with Him. This verse reminds us as I close that our thinking and our attitude determines our quality of life. Outlook determines our outcome. So let me ask you, how do we change our outlook? Two things real quick. Two questions you need to ask yourself as we close out today. What do I need to do to change? What do I need to change in me in order to change my situation? That's a question only you can answer. Because if you want your life to get better, you've got to get better. Half-hearted commitments will never work. One foot in, one foot out will never work. What do I need to change to change my life circumstance? Secondly, am I looking to receive God's blessing so that I can be a blessing? Or am I looking to see God's blessing so I can hoard it on myself? Big difference there. For the happy heart, life is a continual feast. So you know what? Let yourself be happy. When you walk out of here today, determine that I'm going to be happy and joyful. If there's nothing in your life to be joyful and happy about at this moment, Thank God that he's got heaven prepared for you. Thank God that that's your blessed hope. And be joyful about that. Won't you stand with me this morning? No more stinking thinking. Change my thoughts. Change my life. Again, I know that sounds new age. They just stole it from the Bible because that's what the Bible teaches. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. What do you think this morning? What do you think this morning? Are you more focused on what's wrong rather than the possibilities of what could go right? Again, the church is very, uh, the church historically has been very good about creating obstacles and hindrances to people 
stepping into their calling. And I've always told the staff, you know what, don't do that. Don't create reasons why it can't be done. Focus on why it can be done. Find out how it can be done. I think that's important. It just changes the mindset. Absolutely changes the mindset. So let me ask you this morning as we close out, are you here today and are you plagued with stinking thinking? Maybe you're like me. Maybe you've found yourself in some unpleasant circumstances and, and you, you wallow there. You think, okay, why would he choose me? Why would God do this with me? You're more focused on what God won't do rather than what God will do. And I want to challenge you today to walk out of here determined to live happy and focus on what God will do. He's already filled this Bible with 7,487 positive promises of God of what he will do for us. Change the way you look at life. While they sing this morning, if you're here today and say, you know what, Pastor? And again, I'm going to ask you, I believe everything happens altar at the altar. If you're here this morning and you are plagued with stinking thinking, then I just want, as we sing, I want you to step out of your seat and come down here and say, God, I'm determined today to leave with the pro- proper thought processes. No more stinking thinking for me. I'm going to think, I'm going to foolproof my life by thinking what is right. Go ahead. As they sing, would you come? We want to pray with you this morning on anything. Words fall short. I've got nothing new. How could I express all my gratitude? I could sing these songs. Amen. You need prayer for anything. Come on, we'll pray with you as well. Every song must end, and you never do. So I throw up my hands, praise you again and again. Because all that I have is a hallelujah, Nothing else fit for a king Except for a heart singing Hallelujah, hallelujah I've got one response I've got just one move with my arms stretched wide. I will worship you. Oh, so I've got my head, praise you again and again. Cause all that I have is a
have to have a lot to impress him I want you to hear that you don't have to have a lot to impress him bring what you have if if, if, if right now all it is is a hallelujah then what's the old song say just give him a hallelujah anyhow hallelujah. just bless the name of the Lord listen change the way you think change the way you live I, I believe that with every part of me Thank you for being with us this morning. Last thing I want to say as we pray in closing, I feel like my rawness sometimes is offensive, and I don't mean it to be. I want you to understand that I hurt and I struggle just like anybody else. I think years ago we got this idea that if you're a, a pastor or a minister, you don't, you don't hurt, you don't struggle, and that is absolutely 100% not true. Not true. We've, we have to navigate the challenges of life just like everybody else. I don't have a special dispensation to, to lessen the pain and the hurt. Don't have that. I just learn to trust in the God that I talk about all the time. Sometimes I do well. <laughs> and sometimes he's long-suffering. Love you very much. Change your thinking, change your life. Remember, for life to get better, you've got to get better. Father, today, thank you. Lord, all I have today is a hallelujah. I don't have, I don't have a lot. I don't have much. Lord, there may be those today here and maybe online this morning that, Lord, they're in the circumstances right now that they never thought they would be in. And there's not much. There's not much to praise. There's not much to celebrate at this moment. So, Lord, all I have and all I give is that hallelujah anyhow. Lord, with that understanding that you work all things together for my good and for your glory. And Father, we ask you to help us to walk out of here with a determination that we're going to change things about us so that life circumstances change. Or maybe at least our outlook does. Lord, when we go through the deep, dark valleys of life and we hurt and are disappointed, may we not lose hope and may we not lose faith because you are with us no matter what. May we find that joy in our relationship with you for those who have lost that joy, restore, return the joy of our salvation and fill us to overflowing with the Holy Spirit today. Take us out of here today with that joy in our heart, in the spring, in our step, that song in our heart. Father, give us a great day and great night and should you tarry a great week as we think properly as you've called us to do and we bring every thought into captivity and to the obedience of Christ. I love and I bless each one now in the mighty name of Jesus. And we all said amen and amen. God bless you. I love you. Thank you for being with us online. I look forward to seeing you next time. God bless you and I love you.